Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey, everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This is Milestone episode number 40 with Alyssa Furtado, the CEO at RateHub.ca. Alyssa studied business and math at Queen's University before going into management consulting for only two years. She left the corporate world in 2009, launched RateHub.ca on January 1st, 2010, and hasn't looked back since. I had the opportunity to meet with Alyssa in her downtown Toronto office where we talked about following her gut and having the confidence to start a business. She discusses what it takes leading a small team to managing a growing organization. Before getting started, I'd like to thank my media partners, IT World Canada and Startup Canada for the support of the podcast. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Alyssa. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Alyssa, why don't we just get started if you could just share, introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little something about yourself um, outside of the business scope, something you like to do when you're not growing a uh, rate hub. So my name is Alyssa um, and I'm 33 years old. My I just had a baby about a year ago. And so Congrats. I think, thank you. It's been an amazing year. I think my life 12 months ago looked a lot different outside of work than it does now. So um, before children, you know, I'm super passionate traveler. My husband and I love to go to Hawaii. We're uh, avid kite surfers. And so that drives a lot of our uh, our travel to warm destinations. Um, love, you know, dining out, taking advantage of all that Toronto has to, ha- has to offer um, and spending a lot of time with friends. That's, you know, it's been a bit harder to keep up with the travel schedule with a young one at home, but it's just been such an amazing year. So most of my free time now is spent with my family. Um, and we still, we're still able to see friends when our son goes to bed and, um, and that sort of thing. But, uh, but definitely slowed down on some of the, uh, the travel. Oh, I, I could totally relate. My daughter is 18 months. So our life got flipped upside down. We do travel. My wife's from Europe. So we, that's, that's awesome. where we travel. We're going, we're going there for the holidays. Good. But, uh, yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. And, uh, it's definitely an amazing thing, I'm sure. And me and you could probably offline talk about this all day, <laughs> yes. having a young child, <laughs> a year old. But, uh, why don't you start off introducing Raid Hub? Tell us a little more about what you do, your role now, and perhaps what, what are you trying to accomplish over the next six, 12 months? So RateHub is a financial product comparison website. So in the same way that you'd use Expedia to find the best deals on hotels or Kayak to find the best deals on flights, we help our users get the best rates on their mortgages, high interest savings accounts, and find the credit card that works for them. So over the next few months, we've got a lot that we want to accomplish. So a ton of work to be done around scaling the team. So adding resources and making sure that we have the people in place and the right people to tackle the strategic initiatives we want to get done. So then on the strategy side, making big investments in insurance. We think insurance is, you know, huge potential for disruption online in Canada. Um, and so we're going to be building out quotas and tools to help Canadians find the best deals on insurance. In the mortgage uh, side of the business, we're also building a platform to help Canadians do their mortgage online. 
And that's something that's really exciting for anyone that's gotten a mortgage recently. It's a lot of paperwork, a lot of back and forth, still email based. And we, we also think that there's some really exciting opportunities there as well. Um, the business has really evolved a lot. So at the end of this year, it'll be eight years in business, which has gone by incredible. It seems crazy to say eight years. (laughs) Um, and so we started out just as a rate comparison website and in about three, almost three years ago now we added, um, my co-founder James came on board operationally and and he's built out a brokerage arm to the business. So he runs that division. And then I focus on ratehub.ca, which is the marketplace comparison website, et cetera. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, there's a number of things that you mentioned there and a lot of things that uh, that to look forward to. And I understand your business has grown. And I mean, bringing on your co-founder was huge because that arm, from my understanding, is a pretty pretty large organization as well. So can you tell me or share with us how are you managing and growing as a leader, especially when you're scaling your team? Like, I mean, these are the skills that I assume eight years ago you didn't have. Yeah, definitely. So I started RateHub two years after graduating. So I worked in a corporate job for about two years um, and definitely had a bit of experience there. But really, when I came over, I was learning about technology and building websites from, from scratch and also trying to, you know, beef up my management and leadership skills as well. So I think it's definitely been a journey that's evolved. You start out and you become kind of a master at the craft of product management and digital marketing and that sort of thing. Then, you know, when you you start to build a team and have your first set of direct reports, you know, that's a really magical time in the business when there's five of you, you know exactly what you want to build Mm -hmm. and do each day. There's, you know, no challenges around communication. Everybody's on the same page. And then I think the next step is really empowering this, you know, incredible team to really take ownership and good people and smart people, they want to be able to drive a lot of the decisions and the strategy. So making sure that, you know, you're helping to guide them, but you're, you're really letting, letting go of the reins and letting your talented people run with things. So I think that's, that's really important. And the leadership challenges never stop. So I think, you know, on my side of the business, we doubled the team over the last year and we tried to bring on more senior people and more leadership because we, we thought that there was a, a skill set uh, gap and, and the team was asking for more leadership and mentorship and direction. Sure. Um, so I think that will really help us for the next year. But yeah, as a leader, it, it's challenging. You're just always feeling like you're behind the ball from a skill set perspective and from an experience perspective. But I think it's, you know, being committed to continually evaluating yourself and continually investing in your growth and improvement and humbling yourself to, to realize that, that you don't know everything and that you, you know, you continue to have a lot to learn every year. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned two years out of university, but I think from my research, I think you just said it too, is you were in management consulting. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, as a management consultant, you're working with folks that are, are handling things. So it's you had that sort of empowerment with, with your customers already to do the job. You're just there to sort of lead them. So do you find that experience helped you to where you are today or, or did you have to just relearn everything again? It helped me in, in some ways and develop my skill set, but then in other ways, it's been all learning on the job. So I think the things I took away from consulting were, um, you know, how to break down and structure a problem, how to think really analytically, how to beef up my analytical skills. You know, consultants are always an Excel and sure. PowerPoint and some of those technical skills have helped. And I think really just, you know, as a recent grad, I needed to hone in on attention to detail, things like that. Um, 
at Bain where I was a consultant, there was this awesome work hard, play hard culture. And I think I've been able to bring some of that to Raid Hub. You know, seeing offsites and company socials and things that brought the whole team together were important at Bain and they're they're really important to me and to the team at Raid Hub. But I think perhaps most importantly, consulting taught me that it wasn't what I wanted to do with my with my life and my career. You know, I I remember being there late at the office many nights thinking, you know, I'm never going to be the best at this. This isn't going to be the thing that I can do, you know, that maximizes my my skill set and and really excites me and ignites my passion. And so it was an important experience to think, okay, if it's not here, then what is going to give me that? What is going to bring that excitement? Um, and I think if I, if I hadn't have started rate up and if I wasn't running a startup, I definitely love working at one. I just love like, you know, the openness that you find at startups, the smart people tackling operational challenges, the pace at which everything moves. Um, I think I find that, that really exciting. So what did you find that, um, that guts to, to make that change? Because I know some listeners out there are, they might be sitting within a corporate office or management consulting and maybe really thinking, Oh, you know what? I like my job, but maybe I don't foresee like, like what really got you over that bump to say, listen, I'm leaving. Yeah, it's a good question. I guess just having confidence in my, in my gut. So, you know, when something doesn't feel right, you don't want to walk away immediately. So it's kind of setting in place. Okay. I'm going to check in with myself in three months and six months. And if this feeling doesn't change, then I really have to take action. Um, I've always been quite, I have a healthy appetite for risk. And I think that (laughs) most, most entrepreneurs need that. Um, I remember, you know, my brother happens to be our CTO at Raid Hub and, you know, my, he was leaving Microsoft at the time and my parents were pretty stressed out thinking about, you know, their daughter leaving a management consulting job and their son leaving Seattle on this awesome programming job. Um, but we both thought, you know, we're young, we're going to work hard. We can at least take a, a strong try at this. And, you know, worst case scenario, we've always got our skill sets to fall back on. So you guys actually, your parents must be super happy. They had a power team, uh, daughter son team there. Yeah, I guess they didn't realize <laughs> that. You'd have to ask them, but no, I know they're uh, they're really proud of us. But I think sometimes they they probably think that we work a little bit too many too many hours and we're a little bit stressed out. But oh yeah, it's it's been a pretty awesome ride too. And as the company is growing, and you, and you doubled over the last year. What were some of the key things you did to really help yourself? I, so I find that um, letting go comes naturally to me. Um, I'm not someone that kind of wants to hold on to all of the work. What's important in, for me then is to make sure I've got the controls in place and the metrics in place so that I can give that control away and, you know, allow people to run their divisions and make the decisions, but know that the business objectives are getting met. So putting in place more of that structure has been, you know, more important to me. Um, this year I did a lot of reading and a lot of speaking with people. So one of the things, you know, we're working as an organization, our leadership team is working with a, a coach, um, his name's Shelby. He's fantastic to help implement a traction system, which gives us kind of a, a structure and framework to make sure that the corporation's goals and objectives are in place, allow your team to focus, um, a communication framework to cascade messages throughout the organization and things like that. So, um, a lot of reading and a lot of, uh, stepping back and thinking and patience too. Um, it's hard because you, when something, when you feel like something's not exactly right, you want to change it immediately. But the bigger the company gets, you have to give that time to make sure. And that's something we learned in our, in our training. It's like, you know, 
you can have a hypothesis on on how things might change or how you want them to change, but then speak about them as a leadership team, walk away for three weeks and let that simmer and come back together and make sure that you still, everybody thinks that that's still a great idea and then communicate across the organization before you go about changing things like organizational structure or meeting cadence or just things like that. I hear from a lot of business leaders, executives, they're doing a lot of reading and it sounds like maybe you've done it a lot in the past, but it seems like there was a focus here. Uh, can you tell me why why it became a focus? I think just through the scale and through a lot of change, um, you know, when you double the team, you're then all of a sudden within one year managing an organization that you never, you haven't had experience at that level. And so when you, so, sometimes you have an intuition as a leader, I feel like, you know, how we were communicating with the team and how we were relaying messages, that's not going to work at this new scale, but I don't have the exact answer, right? I've never been in a company that, you know, was an operational company with my division's 35 people with 35 people. What does that look like? So, you know, is it quarterly meetings? Is it monthly team meetings? Are you guys doing weekly stand-ups? So talking to different executives and, you know, always remembering that each company is different, each leader is different, but I find, you know, you talk to enough people, take in all of that input and then ultimately make the decision on what would be best for the company and for you. Hiring Shelby, did that come around the same time when you were questioning or, or wondering how to improve and grow and scale? Or was that referred to from an outside source? Like it, it's, it, it's, I find it interesting when executive coaches come into, into organizations. Yeah, I think it started with a feeling of um, how can we, we can do this better or, or, and not knowing the exact answer. And so thinking about external help um, and I think just, yeah, scale and growth, they're really hard. And I, I think one of the, it really tests you as an entrepreneur because you know, it's, it's easy to invest resources and financial resources when there's a certain return. And so as an entrepreneur, you think we have to launch insurance, there's a huge opportunity, but then you forget how long that payoff is. And so, you know, you make all of these investments, but the results don't happen then. So then you're looking at some like pretty depressing numbers sometimes. Sure. And it's, it might take six months, it might take 12, it might take 24 to see the fruits of those, of that labor. And so I think it's also been, um, you know, I don't know, like an, a mental reset to, to remember why you're investing in the time horizons you need to look at. So what are you reading now or what's the last book that really you took something home? Um, so one of my last book that I thought was awesome was called Traction. And so this system that we're implementing with Shelby, um, it's based, it's called uh, the EOS system and it's based on the book Traction. So that was awesome. Reading good to great as well. And that's been, that's been great too. Not sure... If there's anyone outside of Shelby that you look towards, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they find themselves with other entrepreneurs or forums or groups. Is there anywhere else you go to look for advice or you or your co-founders at this point? Definitely. Great question. So I do look externally a lot for advice. I'm someone that definitely likes to talk through problems yeah. and I often come to, that's how I kind of process the information. And I'm also someone that likes to listen to a lot of different points of view and then ultimately form what I think is best. Mm -hmm. um, so I talk to a lot of people, you know, on the personal side, I talk to my dad a lot about business. My husband's a great sounding board. I'm lucky to have business partners as well. So um, my co-founder, James, who's operational, we often have um, different points of view. And so that's really great. So, you know, 
it, obviously it's easy to talk to someone that's going to support your point of view all yeah. the time, but ultimately it's diversity of thought that really pushes you, challenges you and, and gets you to the right answer. So oh, that's great. And it sounds like, you know, who you're going to do. Do you ever find yourself talking to a random executive or entrepreneur and, and, letting go of some of your, not anxieties, but maybe a problem of the day. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was in New York a few weeks ago with a great group of entrepreneurs. Um, and it was a little bit like therapy, you know, yeah. you realize all of these things. Cause I think the bigger that the company grows, you know, stress levels absolutely increase. You start to have, you know, doubt, you doubt yourself sometimes and really ask yourself, am I the person to grow this business? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. And and I'm someone that didn't suffer from it until more recently. So it's a little bit of a, a new thing, but it's, it turns out it's very common. So you it's talk, very real. It's very real. And it's very <laughs> common. And you talk to other leaders that are one going through the exact same thing as you are. So you realize that you're not crazy, but then second, you know, people will remind you, when you're part of a fast growing company and you're, and you're leading, you have to be hard on yourself. You have to be always asking, what can I do better? How can I grow? Is it me? And if you're not asking those things, then you're probably not working hard enough. So, um, someone said that to me recently and I thought that was a, it was a, perfect. a good takeaway because yeah. you need to be pushing yourself so hard, but then also have enough confidence to lead your business. And it, so those two things are almost opposing forces. So kind of trying to reconcile both of those can sometimes be hard. Fun question. I, I always love to ask uh, on, the, on the podcast, and sometimes it takes people by surprise, is if I were to ask any of your peers, your employees, your team members, what's the best leadership that Alyssa has? What would they say? That one's really hard. Um, what do you What do you hope yeah, they would say, no, I guess? I, um, I was asking, so... Uh, uh, some of the team who had listened to the podcast before. So I, I said, this isn't a question that I can answer. I need you guys to answer it. So yeah. um, well, one of my team members, Candace said was she really appreciates the openness to ideas. You know, I keep my door open and I keep my mind open. So I really like to listen to my team and I like to listen to, you know, who on the team is the most credible person to answer this question in a lot of times. And as the company expands, it shouldn't be me, right? right? I'm not the one in the weeds every day. So you know, really trusting my team and it, people have seen me in meetings, state an opinion, but be open to changing it if facts are brought to the table and if, you know, there are excellent ideas that are better. So I think that's something that's appreciated. What else, Alyssa? What are some special projects, maybe some initiatives that, that you're excited about in the next, in the next future, in, in the short future, I guess? So we chatted about a few of them. Definitely insurance, because I think that there's a real opportunity to help Canadians shop for insurance online, find the best deals, the online mortgage brokerage platform. So the ability to help Canadians do their mortgage online and um, have, you know, a source of all of the data that comes with a mortgage transaction. And then, you know, that will give us the ability to help these homeowners find insurance really easily and, and do a bunch of things. One of my kind of pet projects for the year yeah, I love it. Um, is this one might sound a little nerdy, but um, <laughs> there's a huge opportunity to build a suite of personal finance calculators. So calculators around TFSA, RRSP, and, and really help people see how much they can save by putting money into their RSP. So we've got some really neat graphics to illustrate, for example, you know, how much you're getting taxed on your top 10K of income. And so if you weren't planning to put in your 
that money to your RSP, do you realize that you're going to lose 40% of it? And so trying to get people excited about almost thinking about it like a, a cash back, right? Where, you know, people get excited about 2% cash back on their credit card. What about 40% or 30% cash back on the money you put into your RSP? I'm, I'm excited about that calculator. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, I need that now. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, true. and it's not really nerdy. I think, uh, and like you said, I think one point was that visual. Like mm-hmm. if you could put that visual, I mean, people hear about RSPs, RESPs, but it just gets complicated and very text text driven. You have no idea what's happening after a exactly. while. Exactly, it's a little personal case too. But I mean, yeah. I, I know that as well. But having a blast, Alyssa's. But before I end, I'd love to get some of your final thoughts, observations. Ideally, I'm looking for actionable recommendations that you could share to to the listeners out there who are either trying to grow, scale a business at this mm-hmm. point, or you know, sitting as a management consultant, wondering, right. wondering how to do it. If you could share some of your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I think so. Some of the advice definitely depends on the stage that the company and the entrepreneur is at. So for earlier stage companies, I'm a big proponent of focusing. So um, I remember when we were an early company and we went to uh, a meeting with an advisor and uh, the advisor started throwing out 10 to 20 things we should be doing. Yeah. And I walked away from the meeting saying, I, I don't think you're right. I think, you know, we're a team of three people right now. We have 20 K in the bank. We <laughs> actually need to figure out what the one thing we need to do is. So for us in, in Radeup's case, we realized, you know, if we were going to win at the business that we were building in the rate comparison space, we had to get the, become the best at search engine optimization. When we looked at our competitors in the States, that's how they were acquiring their customers at scale. And so we dedicated, you know, the next six years, we became the best at SEO and mortgages. And then only when that was done, did we start to add on credit cards and then high interest savings accounts. And now, you know, at the end of eight years, now we're taking a step back and saying, okay, we've got that mastered. We've got more resources. What are the next most important marketing strategies to use? And so now we're getting into CRM and email marketing and uh, scaling paid acquisition and stuff like that. But focusing is so valuable. Saying no is one of, you know, the most strategic things that you can do. And so not, but I think as entrepreneurs, we're literally wired to kind of pump endorphins around opportunities and, Mm -hmm. and get adrenaline. And so it's really, you know, not distracting yourself. Um, so that's, you know, kind of at the early stage. And then as you grow, I think I was talking about some of the leadership challenges and the imposter syndrome and that sort of thing. But I think it's realizing that leadership can be really lonely. It It is truly challenging and you're not alone. So finding those outlets, finding those people you can talk to and, and honestly trying not to beat yourself up too much because it's it's a really hard job. To close, Alyssa, please tell us where we can find more information about you, Raid Hub, or anything else that uh, you'd love to share to the audience today. Yeah, so um, absolutely, you can visit us online at ratehub.ca. Um, lots of information on our blog and things like that. And then um, to connect with me, LinkedIn is uh, is the best way. All right, awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to Milestone Episode Number Forty of the Business Leadership Podcast with Alyssa Furtado. It was great speaking with Alyssa and hearing her experience leading and growing an organization. So amazing to hear firsthand the transformation she had to make at every stage of the business. So to learn more about Alyssa, ratehub.ca, or anything else that we talked about, please visit the episode webpage at thebusinessleadership.com slash 040. 
Thank you for all your messages. I love hearing from you. And as we approach episode number 50, we're looking for ways to improve the show and specifically for me, how I can provide more value to you. Please send me your thoughts, your insights, and even a recommendation of business leader that you'd love to get interviewed. With that, please send me a message on Twitter, Facebook, or directly via email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you again. And until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.